0: All right. And welcome to this special episode of Real Estate Fight Club. This series is called What Would You Do?, where we talk about professional standards and ethics committee cases and hopefully some violations. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Here with me today is Rachel Real. Hi, Rachel.
1: Morning, Jen. How are you?
0: I'm good. How are you today? Excellent. Ready for a, a, for a good one today. Yeah. I love right. it about?
1: Right. So today we're, we're kind of trying to be a little bit timely with the, the types of things that we're talking about. And because the market is as ridiculous as it is, we're seeing issues where, um, you know, if you're a buyer's agent and you have clients offering on properties, you're not sure whether or not your offer is getting presented or if it's getting presented in a timely fashion. Mm-hmm. So I thought maybe we would talk about some of those issues and the amendment to the Code of Ethics last year that kind of helps to make that a little bit more straightforward.
0: Yeah, I think it's great. Let's
1: do it. Yes. All right. So we're going to talk about Article 1 today. And Article 1 is when representing a buyer, seller, landlord, tenant, or other client as an agent, realtors pledge themselves to protect and promote the interests of their client. This obligation to the client is primary, but does not relieve realtors of their obligation to treat all parties honestly. When serving a buyer, seller, landlord, or tenant or other party in a non-agency capacity, realtors remain obligated to treat all parties, honestly.
0: Exactly. So that honestly, is the main article fairly.
1: that we're going to, what's that? Honestly, not fairly. Correct. Well, and fairly used to be in there, but they took it out because not everything is, life isn't fair. I mean, you know, we, we could all say, Hey, this isn't fair, but you can get to, you can get through a, a process or a transaction or a purchase and be treated honestly, but you might not feel it's
0: fair. Yeah, because and I think that, that, was a good, that was good to take out. Do you agree that that was a good move? I, yes.
1: Yes, I do agree. Because I think you could ask any human being on the face of the earth that that's going through a real estate transaction if you think it's fair and they're all going to say no. Right. So again, you can get through something by treating people professionally and honestly, but not everything's fair, you know? And yeah, there's because a you're... lot of examples of that in the code. Well, and you're fighting
0: for your client.
1: Well, exactly. Exactly. All right. So I think that's So let's... Fair. I think it's fair that we removed fair. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So again, the articles are what people are found or what agents are found in violation of. However, the standards of practice are where it kind of boils down the examples of what it is that they're in violation of. Okay. So for this particular one, we're going to talk about standard of practice 1-6 and 1-7. Okay. So 1-6 says realtors shall submit offers and counteroffers objectively and as quickly as possible. Oh. That's okay, the, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, and 1 7 says upon the written request of a cooperating broker who submits an offer to the listing broker, the listing broker shall provide, as soon as practical, a written affirmation to the cooperating broker stating that the offer has been submitted to the seller or landlord, or a written notification that the seller
0: or landlord has waived the obligation to have the offer presented. So, so this would require some communication.
1: This would require a bit of communication. Yes, yes. So this would require the fact that, and, and a written notice could be a an email. It could be a text message. It just could right. be. It needs to be something in writing, where if you're the cooperating broker and you say, "Has my offer been submitted?" I want a reply in writing that says either "Yes, you've submitted my offer," so that I have that tangible information from you, right? Or something in writing from the seller that says. I've asked my client, my, my listing agent, not to present these offers until Monday at 5 p.m. or whatever time
0: frame that might be. Whatever it is. Okay.
1: Exactly. So that's kind of what we're looking at in this particular situation.
0: This will be interesting because so, a lot of wild west dramatic things happening.
1: There are an awful lot and it's getting a little frustrating, especially when you're on the buy side. Um, I've had a couple of instances over the last few weeks where I've had offers that I've submitted on behalf of a buyer client. And, you know, the agent doesn't respond very, if at all, right. um, they'll not respond to the, you know, please confirm you've received this after a phone and a text and an email. Um, or they'll, they'll they'll say, oh, well, I'm presenting this on Monday. Or thank you for your offer. Okay, when when will you be presenting this to the seller? Right. Well, I'm going to present it on Monday. Okay, well, do they know you have it right now? Have they asked you to hold off till Monday? You know? So, and I think, I think we're finding that a lot of agents are putting properties on the market, say on a Thursday or Friday, wanting to go through the entire weekend and hoard them all yeah. and then wait until Monday to present them where they can kind of filter through what they want to present to their seller. When in fact, if the seller directs you to do that in writing, then that's fine. Right. That's you're following your seller's direction. So as long as you're following your seller's direction, that's fine. But if you're doing this on your own accord, because you think that's the way you want to do it that's not necessarily the right way to do it.
0: We did a podcast on this on like, should you wait a few days or not when writing up a listing? Which side were you on?
1: Um, You know, I think it very much all depends. Uh So, and again, I always make sure that I have my seller's written permission. Email text is fine. Just something that says, I'm authorizing you to not present any offers to me until Monday at 5 p.m. Um, I think, I think it depends on the particular property. If it's one that, you know, is going to be hot, depending on the time of the week that you're listing it, if you're listing it on a Monday or Tuesday or weekday, when you know, people are around and can get into it. I think that's one thing. If you put it up on a Friday and then you're going to, you're going to be gone all weekend or or a potential buyer might be gone all weekend. You're not necessarily doing your seller a, the best service. If you're going to say, I'm going to put it up on Friday night, take an offer by Saturday at noon. You haven't right. really given it as much exposure as you really should. Maybe yeah, that's, we that's did. You were, I look at
0: it. you were actually the guest on when is the best day to list, weren't you? Yes. On that podcast? Yes, I was. Oh, yes. yeah, people should yep. go back and listen. And that, think, that was a good one.
1: It was a good one. Yeah, because I think, again, you have to look at each particular property and see what makes the most sense for that property. Again, even looking at whether or not it's vacant. Yeah. You know, if you can get people in there and it's super easy to show and you're going to allow things to overlap, right? Then, then cut it loose and you don't necessarily have to sit on it. Right. So, you know, so it really, it very much depends on on a case-by-case basis. I look at it. It's the middle of the summer, a holiday weekend. Why are you going to put it up on a Friday night and take an offer by Saturday at noon?
0: Yeah, that's... Half
1: half the buyer pool might be out of town. Right. It just, you know, so, but yes, go back and listen to that one. Because I think we had a lot of good good things we
0: talked about on that one. (laughs) We did. All right, let's hear the case. We did.
1: Okay. So this case is about fidelity to client's interest. So this one involves some, it's a little bit of a different scenario on this one, but it still relates to that same question of, do you have the seller's authorization to do this or what is the seller's direction? Okay. So real realtor A managed an apartment building owned by client B. In his capacity as property manager, realtor A received a written offer to purchase the building from buyer C. So realtor A is just strictly acting as a property manager. And he got an offer from, a, from client B to purchase the property. Okay, It wasn't marketing it to sell. It just was like, hey, I'm interested. I'm looking at an investor looking for a property. I'm going to send you an offer. Realtor A responded that the building was not for sale, which is in fact true. A few days later, buyer C met client B and told him that he thought he had made an attractive offer through his agent and indicated that he would be interested in knowing what price would interest client B client B answered that he had received no offer through Realtor A and asked for more details. Oh. So we know at this point that the apartment or the property manager agent received this offer and never gave it to his client, the owner of the the apartment building, because it wasn't for sale. So he, on his own, decided that he wasn't going to present that offer because it's not for sale. I'm just acting as a property manager. Okay. Yeah. You're already seeing problems with this. one. (laughs) I mean, it <laughs> it seems like common sense, but again, common sense is no longer common, which is why yeah. we are doing most of these things. Right. <laughs> client B then filed a complaint against Realtor A with a local board of realtors charging failure to represent and promote his best interest, which would be article one. Okay. His client specified that while Realtor A had been engaged as a property manager, he had at no time told him not to submit in offers to buy and that, in the absence of any discussion whatsoever on this point, he felt that Realtor A should have recognized a professional obligation to acquaint him with buyer C's offer, he stated in the complaint, which was definitely attractive to him. So while it's not on the market, I mean, I've had this conversation with my husband, a half a dozen times. Somebody knocked on my door and said, hey, I'll buy your house for X. Would we sell it? Probably. Right. Doesn't, we're not offering it for sale, but if someone dropped us a note in the mail, which well, oddly just... enough happened about two weeks ago. Oh yeah.
0: Good offer. I I
1: told my my husband, I go here, your dream just came true. We just got a note in the mail that said, I'm looking for
0: a house just like yours. Would you sell it? (laughs) (laughs) Well, most of those are, you know, not good offers.
1: Right. Right. They may not be good offers. We didn't entertain it, but it was, you know, it was still my, not even my obligation, but as a, as the person who opened the mail, I felt compelled to tell my husband, Hey, we got this note in the mail.
0: What do you think? Well, and I think that's the point, right? Like it makes logical sense, regardless if you're a real estate agent or not, to communicate with all parties that are affected by the information that you know.
1: Right. I mean, why would you not present this? Yeah,
0: why not? Like what
1: uh, why right? it It doesn't make any sense, really. i'm I'm not sure why this wouldn't have been presented. So Realtor A was notified of the complaint and directed to appear before a panel of the real, of the board's professional standards committee, okay? In his defense, Realtor A stated that his only relationship with client B was property manager and under the terms of a management contract and that he had been not been engaged as a broker and that at no time had the client ever indicated an interest in selling the building. That it invi- that in advising buyer C that the property was not on the market, he felt that he was protecting his client against an attempt to take his time in discussing a transaction, which he felt sure would not be of interest to him. So that was his defense. I think, the, okay. The so, professional standards hearing.
0: so here's, I think I understand like what he's saying, but I think it, it shouldn't have been based in because it wouldn't be of interest to him. It should have been based. Ooh, how in, do you know?
1: Right. How does right? He know that
0: one? I think that's, that's, that's dumb. Right. But I also think like he could have said, look, it is not, I informed them that I was not an agent. I was acting only on behalf as a property manager and in acting as a realtor, it would violate my actual contract with this person. So I cannot present this. And then I think that logic could have been, what do you think?
1: I, I still think when you're under an, when you're under an agreement as a realtor with a, with a client, your overarching responsibility is, is to protect start. their best interest and, and act in their, act in their best interest. And you're in your, yeah, but if
0: you're only you to job. be honest,
1: so why, why, what part of that is being honest if you are getting an offer and then not presenting it to your client?
0: I agree. So I think in, I understand what you're saying, but I'm just trying to play like devil's advocate, right? Right. Devil's advocate. Right. I'm only the property manager. So when I was a property manager, um, we had contracts with people too, to manage their properties, but is part of that contract It says, who is your realtor? Okay. So then if it was like, okay, well, if we went to sell it, we would want you to be our realtor or no, we're working with this other person then it covered it, right? right? So it was like, if if like, let's say I was their manager and they named like you as their agent, and then this buyer comes and is like, here's the offer. I say, okay, this, I am not the realtor. It is not for sale. Their realtor is so-and-so. Here's the information.
1: And And that would be the appropriate way to handle that. Absolutely. If you almost do have to go back to your property management agreement and go, okay, where does this does this, is this covered in here anywhere? Yeah. Because I also so I've not, I've not managed that. property before, but I've also handled rentals where it's for rent. But if somebody sends me an offer to purchase, I'm not saying, well, I'm not going to present this. I'm still going to present it to my, my client knowing full well, he's going to say no, but at least I've done what I'm supposed to do with that offer to purchase.
0: But I also, but, you think know, like you said, if your,
1: if your property management agreement covers like what you said, if you were to sell this, who would be your realtor? And then maybe having that conversation as part of that property
0: management agreement. Yes. If
1: I were to receive an offer to purchase, would you? How do you want me to handle it? Because it might it might come up.
0: Right. And as a property manager, this does happen often where it's like, absolutely. People want to buy and sell and it's off market a lot of times. So, like, yeah, you have that conversation ahead of time. But I also think being a leasing agent and a non property manager, and then being just the property manager, they're very different roles. And so, like, while I agree with you that, like, as a leasing agent for a property, if you get an offer to buy, that is not a stretch. Like you are still representing the property on the market as a property manager. Right. You are doing tenant management for that owner. It is not right. the same as being a realtor in the same capacity. It's right. gray. It's gray at best. Cause you still Do are you, a real estate agent. You
1: still right, and your fiduciary is your client's best interest. So if you, if you boil it down to just that, that you as a realtor are protecting the best interest of your client and you are their fiduciary and someone brings you an offer for a half a million dollars for an apartment building, Why what is your defense to say I, it was better for me not to present it to my client.
0: Yeah. There's no, there makes no sense.
1: There's no defense to to that part. I
0: can't think of one right now. Right. Like, I I know that there are people that are property managers that are not, they are realtors, but they are not realtors in the sense that like you and I are real estate agents. Like they're just property managers, but still, I think like at any, they're
1: licensees, but not realtors and not
0: held to the code of ethics. Well, or they just don't help people buy and sell. They only manage property. And it's like, absolutely. And that's okay, but I can't think of this scenario where not informing your client about something going on right. with the property, and this would fall under something going on with the property, why it would right. make sense not to inform them.
1: Right. There's, like, just, hey, there's no, to no logical step. Right. There's no logical step from, from A to B without presenting that offer, in my yeah. opinion. Well, um, it I, was the conclusion of the, oh, you know, let's, let's go to, you want to go to break? Yeah. We'll I wanna, the conclusion um, after. Okay. Yeah.
0: I want to tell you, well, we all know what the conclusion is. So stick around if you're unsure, <laughs> but in, <laughs> I can only imagine, but in the meantime, right. let me tell you about two of our partners. One is my coach, John Kitchens coaching. And if you like run into scenarios like this, or you just want to get better at being at your craft, um, I would recommend talking to him. He will do a free business analysis for you on your business to see if it's a good fit. You can go to callcoachkitchens.com and type in affiliate code Fight Club for that free assessment. And then also Real Support Solutions, they actually offer training. And they do, they do like administrative work too. So if you go to realsupportsolutions.com, enter code fight club, you'll get three free hours of training. And they, I don't know if they have a class on this or not, but I'm sure they do. They have all kinds of classes or you can get a hundred dollars.
1: Everyone needs more training. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Everyone needs more training.
0: And it's real training. Like it's real, like real life stuff, not generic yes. things. Um, but, all right. Yes. So what is, dun dun da? What's the ruling? Let me guess. Okay. Right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It was the conclusion of the hearing panel that Realtor A was in violation of Article 1 in that the absence of any instruction not to submit offers, he should have recognized that fidelity to his client's interests as required under Article 1 of the Code of Ethics obligated him to acquaint his client with a definite offer to buy the property and that any real estate investor would obviously wish to know of such offer. Yes. Common sense. I agree. So even if, even if you're looking at your, you know, you're boiling it down and looking and and picking apart a property management agreement and all of these other things, even, even in, in, in doing that, if you go back to the main article one, not even boiling it down to
0: a standard of practice,
1: why are you not presenting this?
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, he has no defense.
1: No, I I could have been like, look,
0: I'm dumb. And that would have been a better defense.
1: You know what? And quite honestly, if you sit in a, pro, if you sit in professional standards hearings and someone says, Hey, you know what? I just, I screwed up. Yeah. At a hearing panel, you're much more likely to under to, to at least use it as an educational experience at a teaching moment in your fight as right. fact and cut the guy some slack. Yeah. I'm so sorry. I had no idea this, this, you know, I'm, I'm new or whatever it might be.
0: Or it like, this is know. what I realized. Like now I realize that I need to change my agreement and this is exactly. what I took from yes. that because I will, I know I'll get this question again because I got it once before, you know what I mean? Like, exactly.
1: When, when you go into a hearing panel with guns blazing and going, Hey, you know what? I don't know. You know, I didn't do this, this, that, and the other thing. And I've, I've been on the, on hearing panels where that's happened. And, you know, when you sit there and you you come to a conclusion, and then you find out at that point, whether or not someone has been there before, before you put sanctions into place, Mm -hmm. you find out they've been there before for the same thing. Uh now you're like, hey,
0: listen, the ha- the
1: hammer's coming down this time right. because you're clearly not getting it. Exactly, you
0: know? you're not getting it. Maybe this 50 dollars fine will help you get it.
1: Right. Perhaps, perhaps this will make you remember <laughs> next time when next the same exact part. scenario comes up. Right. But again, going back to this, the the, the um, National Association of Realtors made this amendment to the code back in 2020 that talks about the having the written request of a cooperating broker being something that is is part of the code. So the yeah. cooperating broker now can say, I want this in writing. Now, it doesn't mean that it has to be like our contracts here have the last page where there's right. a small box at the bottom that says this offer was presented and the sellers initial it and say it was yeah. declined. It doesn't have to be that. I use that because it's good practice to use. And if somebody ever asks, I have something that shows the seller declined it. Yeah. However, in the absence of that, or if you don't have that on your contract, Putting it in writing as the listing agent holds you to a little bit of a higher standard Mm -hmm. because you're now you're now either if you're not going to do that you're lying and you're less likely to put a lie in writing because if it comes back to bite you in the butt and now it's in writing exactly
0: now you've clearly lied but I
1: think like so it's to hold people more accountable in that in that yeah
0: and the conversation does need to happen with the seller prior to putting it on absolutely hey, what do you want to do?
1: Especially in a market like this.
0: Yeah. Right. And sometimes, right? Like sometimes you're not sure exactly if you're going to get a lot of offers or not, right? But you can right. take so to So you them. don't
1: necessarily want to put that in the MLS and say, right. hey, I'm going to put this on on Thursday and I'm going to hold everything till Sunday. Right. And then Sunday rolls around and you have nothing. Now you look like I'm right. in Melbourne.
0: Or Thursday, you so get you an offer know- that they really like and they want to accept.
1: And you want to accept it, right? So when I get to the point where I'm presenting that offer and they say, well, hey, now that I think about it, I'd really rather wait until Monday to review everything. Then I'm gonna say I'm gonna email you right now and you're just gonna reply and say, Yes, I agree as as you've typed it because I know what needs to be in there. Mm-hmm. And then just say agreed as written. And then I save that to the file so that if anyone comes back and asks a cooperating purpose I want it in writing, here it
0: is. The ghetto way that we do it. and, and not
1: the- <laughs> hey, ghetto way <laughs> works. I mean, as long as it's in writing, if it's ghetto, I don't care.
0: Yeah. So what I do is like, I mean, your way is obviously the best way, right? But and it's more accurate. But like, I think all you have to do is when you receive an offer, just say, "Hey, got it. Talking to the sellers on this and this day or whatever, right?" And then you've okay. It's, it's kind of all works out because then they know well, you they got can it. can work
1: out, but now they know you got it. Right. And if you say I'm talking, because this happened to me over the weekend, i I've submitted an offer on Friday afternoon. Mm-hmm. They said, I'll be presenting it on Monday. Okay. My response was great. Thank you very much for acknowledging receipt of the offer. Does your seller know you have the offer right now?
0: Right. But most, or, they just don't ask that just you.
1: Right. But I think more, more might need to ask that.
0: No, they the, should The follow up
1: question was my seller said they wanted to review everything on Monday. Great. I've saved that text message now. Yeah. And if anything were to happen and I were to find out that we got hosed somewhere along the line there, I now
0: have it in writing. No, you're right. And I think that's good advice is like asking that question. Like, do they know you have it? If it's going to be like later, like if it's going to be a few days later, I think that's an awesome question. Right.
1: Right. Because when you look at standard of practice 1-6, you have to submit offers and counter offers objectively and as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. So now if I got an offer on my property and I'm in the middle of lunch with a, with a family member, and I get that offer. Now I'm not going to walk away from lunch and go present the offer to my client. But when I'm done with lunch and back in the car, I'll pick up the phone and say, Hey, we've got an offer. Let's talk right. about it. Right.
0: And it could not just be simple, like, Hey, received it. Um, Received it on my, um, my it, seller
1: was would like to review everything on Monday.
0: Yeah, or whatever, right? And that's it. And just right. uh, just a simple, I think all we're really asking here, I mean, I agree that it needs to be presented in a timely manner, but we're also just asking for right. communication. Did you freaking get it or did you communication?
1: Not? Right. Communication and honesty, quite honestly.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean it doesn't have to be fair, but again communication if, first, and then we can work on honesty.
1: <laughs> we can work on honesty after. I know, right? <laughs> small small chunks.
0: Yes, 1% improvement every day. That's all we're right. asking for right it's like a little now. bit. Yeah. That's all I'm asking for. <laughs> all right. Well, I appreciate you being on if people do have a question for you um, or they have a referral in Chicago, what is the best way to get a hold of you?
1: Best way to reach me is by cell phone at 630-542-8688. You can call or text that number anytime.
0: So call Rachel if you want to know the right way to do things. If you want the ghetto grassroots version, <laughs> you can call me at <laughs> Rachel, it's been great. Thank you.
1: Always, always a pleasure. Thanks, Jen. Bye. Bye.